Okay, people, Jamoke Davis here for Just For Sport for the Props Network. Thank you very much for joining us live on Twitch, Facebook, and YouTube. We got a great show for you today. Uh, We're going to be talking NFL Week 16. Playoffs are coming up. I got a prediction for Monday Night Football. We're going to talk college basketball with Bo. You know he knows college football and basketball, so we're going to be talking about the college football championship and what the heck is going on with basketball. But first, we're going to start up a level in the NBA with uh, Ava Wallace, the Wizards beat reporter for the Washington Post. Excuse me. She's going to be joining us live here. Uh, we got lots to talk about with the NBA. And of course, I'm going to start with, uh, yeah, what's wrong with my Washington Wizards? That's the part that bothers me the most. I will say, I'm going to say, I'm really excited about my uh, Christmas Day picks. I'm 5-0, 5-0. And and I don't know if what's going on with the season. The Cleveland Cavaliers are 3-0. They have a better record than the Nets, Lakers, Clippers. Teams that you think Warriors are going to be perennial playoff teams. For this season and the Cleveland Cavaliers, come on, none of us thought they would be 3-0. and None of us thought they are going to make the playoffs, but they seem to be playing well. And of course, I'm happy because they got my guy, JaVale McGee, on the, on the team, which really makes me happy. But let's bring in Ava Wallace. We're going to start talking about the Washington Wizards and what's happening in D.C. with the Westbrook and Wall trade. Is it better for the Washington Wizards? Do we expect them to be a playoff team? I don't know. Hi, Ava. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing very well. But uh, first, before we get into where the Washington Wizards are, let's start with you. I see you're wearing your Northwestern (laughs) shirt. You know, you wanted to show your college pride. I, it's just the warmest thing I have at my parents' house. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still camped out here from Christmas. I was, they live pretty close to me, so I was lucky enough to come stay with them. Yes, this is very nerdy of me. I really, I messed up today. <laughs> no, no, it's just fine. I, I, I should have gotten the memo. I would have worn my pit hoodie as well. College day, uh, you know. Yeah, it's college day. Uh, <laughs> listen, this has been a wild year for all of us. Let's first start with where, what it's like for you, where you are in your career in like, I feel like this is your first year being the beat reporter and it's like nothing, no one. And let's talk about Northwestern. Mike Wilbon can't help you. Uh, no <laughs> Rachel one, Nichols got nothing Rachel for Nichols me. Nothing. I mean, like, come on. <laughs> yes. It's just random. And how has it been for you trying to adjust to covering a team social distancing. It has been really weird. You know, I covered college sports for five years before I came onto the Wizards beat, just before they went into the bubble this summer. And so I'm so used to, you know, college locker rooms are mostly closed nowadays, but I'm still used to being around everybody and getting to know people. I mean, you know, you you see us all, all of us beat writers, like the way we do our jobs is we're there every day, even when things aren't happening. We're just there, not necessarily even when we're writing a story or anything. So not just being there and seeing people and and getting to learn their little habits or maybe things they prefer or whatever is so bizarre, especially um, the Wizards are a young team, you know, and so it's not like they're these seasoned vets who kind of 
hop on Zoom. You know, Robin Lopez, he's been in the league 12 years. He's a great personality. He can jump on Zoom and rattle off some jokes and really connect with people. But younger players who aren't used to talking face-to-face as much, much less doing it over a screen, it was really a big adjustment. And I, I, can, I, just, I cannot wait until things go back to normal, <laughs> not, not just fans in the arenas, but until we can kind of be walking around and, and actually interacting with the people we work with every day. That's, I'm very much looking forward to that. And the sad thing is that may not happen for another year, like till next yeah. season before you feel like, okay, I can go back into a locker room. We had David Aldrich on the show and I asked him about uh, the younger generation that we are used to texting and that makes it okay. So I'm curious if, you know, how are you even trying to build those connections? You talk about an open locker room, but mm-hmm. You know, it's not like you got a Rolodex of phone numbers with Rui or Troy Brown to be able to just kind of chat with them. You know, it really is, you know, you're just at a distance and they don't get to know you, the person. How much does that play into how much pressure you may feel of trying to build the connection virtually? I'll tell you, it's the number one thing easily. I mean, it's it's really, truly hard to, especially when you're on Zoom and, you know, you may have one question and a follow-up and you've got 55 other people sometimes. Seriously, I mean, like, you know, normally when you're at practice, it's like maybe you and four other reporters, they're asking questions every day. On these Zooms, everybody who has the link can jump in. So, you know, sometimes we're spending 30 minutes with Bradley Beal and poor Russell Westbrook who are, you know, answering questions for people across the country. Um, but that's that's ab- absolutely the number one thing that I'm struggling with most is just getting to know people who we don't see every day. Um, I am so fortunate. At the Washington Post, I have Candace Buckner, who did this job for four years before me, and Michael Lee, who did this job from, I think, 2010 to 2015. So I don't have the Rolodex. They don't have the Rolodex. And I'm like, you guys, you want to help me out? So they have just been my absolute rocks especially after John Wall got traded because you know that was something that was so difficult to report on without established connections I leaned on them so hard and they've been so excellent just in passing down wisdom and and connecting me with people and you know you know people in the NBA like to talk so it, it may not be a player but you can call up a lot of folks in the league who can kind of help you situate and and help me really learn how the whole ecosystem around the Wizards works so people have been very generous with their time for sure what what has it been like for you in, in you know, be, people being generous of their time? You you are from Northwestern. I mean, that Rolodex. Hey, I'm from Denver. Silver Spring first. I'm Silver from Spring, Spring first. Maryland first. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, in terms of what you wanted to do in a career, are you on the path of where you want to go? Do you ever think about television beyond this or do you enjoy writing out that face? <laughs> <You know? laughs> no, you, you remember how I forgot what sweatshirt I was wearing before coming on camera today? Yeah, TV is not not going to be my forte anytime soon. No, I mean, I am really, really pleased with where I am right now. Um, when my boss kind of called me into his office, this was in last, I think it was like last February or something where kind of said, hey, do you want to cover the Wizards? Covering an NBA beat has been something that I've had my eyes on for a really long time. I think it's such an interesting league. It's got such an interesting kind of moral backbone behind it now. Obviously, I love basketball. I covered the Mystics for the WNBA for three years before this. It's just really fun. It's it's. I covered college football, too, and that was 
so much harder for me to get my hands around just because I am someone who really likes to be able to kind of hone in on the personalities behind an organization, the personalities on the team. And I like that in basketball. It's just like, you know, you've got a nice, neat group of guys to get to know, and then you've got the organization all built around them. It's just, it's really, I'm focused on getting good at this beat first before I start thinking about anything else for sure. But if you want to send me to the Olympics, I'll go to that one for sure. Oh, oh, I have been to two Olympics oh, and I jealous. really enjoyed it. And hopefully you'll get to go. I was supposed to go to Tokyo. Oh, you were? Yeah. So I'm just like, hmm, if I hold on to the plane ticket, if I just get points back, will they send me back next year? So yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm hoping they send me back. Uh, what were you going to cover? Can you talk about that? So the way that we do it at the Post, I think, is we have a couple of, of reporters like um, Liz Clark will always cover gymnastics at the Summer Olympics. We've got people on swimming. we got people on track. So we kind of have the big things taken care of. And then everything else, it's kind of like a free-for-all, um, which is really fun. It's basically just like, go find whatever story interests you. I'm a big tennis person. I also cover the U.S. Open for us every year. Um, so that was what I was going to try to gravitate towards. But yeah, it's. It's, I hope I get to go back. I can't believe we're supposed to be talking wizards and I got so many questions about other topics. Yeah. Shinoromi Osaka, right? Female uh, uh, sports, at, female athlete of the year. Yes, mm -hmm. no. Do I like her? Do, well, do you think she should have been oh, uh, yeah. Sports Illustrated oh athlete of the okay. year, right? No, I thought, I was thinking about this. I was like, you can never knock LeBron, of course. <laughs> for, I'm talking about the Sports Illustrated, just their athlete of the year, but I mean, all the I've covered Naomi since she came in and was kind of a mumble mouth, young, really young player who had clearly had all these thoughts in her head, but wasn't the best at articulating them in front of a press conference of, you know, dozens of journalists, obviously, who would be the way she has absolutely come into her own this past year, year and a half is incredible. I mean, I remember I, I uh, when she won the U.S. Open this year, I've just after she had that interaction on court where someone asked her, you know, what, what message did you want to send with the mask? And she said, well, what did you get out of it? And I just thought, what an incredible person for someone young. I was thinking about myself. And when I first started watching Venus and Serena, I said, what an incredible person for someone to grow up with and fall in love with in tennis. I think she's, it's, it's really incredible to have watched her grow up over the past couple of years. You know, she's still, she's, she's a, couple of years younger than me so I still relate to her and I'm like oh I know the references you're making and she's very authentic um yeah. but just the way that she's come into her adulthood has been I'm I'm totally blown away as you can tell I can barely speak yeah. watching her do it is amazing I played tennis in college it's really my you love did? yeah oh that, my gosh me I too do. it's yeah. my love yeah you get it um yeah it's funny too because that also means that I was trying I was trying to do my homework on you to uh, learn a little bit more about you before you came on. And I missed the tennis thing. I don't know how I missed that. Uh, I'm really bummed out, but I was we'll have really to do a U.S. Open show. Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, almost. Listen, I do Australian, Wimbledon, French and U.S. Okay. Open. So if you can come on for all four, you can time. talk. 3 a.m. Okay. Australian Open show. Let's yes. go. <laughs> Your producer's like, no. <laughs> I was so upset when her first title, the the controversy with Serena Williams, that just... I, I, every time I see her, I think about that and how devastating it was for her. But what an entry to Grand Slam tennis! Like I was yeah. there, and I've never—that's—I will never forget being there in person that day. That was insane. Crazy. Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk Wizards. We we were into so many. Th As a Wizards fan, 
You grew up in Silver Spring too. I'm panicking. They're yeah. over three. What's wrong already? We're done. We're done. <laughs> you know better than that. Uh, what did Ishnet tell us yesterday before the game? He said, or no, yeah, he said, take it slow before the game. Scott Brooks said after, if it's a three-game season, we didn't do very well. We got 69 games left. That's that's those guys' jobs to say, okay, got to cool it down. Don't get too high, too low. Um, Wizards fans, I think, are right to panic a little bit. You know, this is not the roster that Scott Brooks has had to deal with the past couple of years. It's not like Bradley Beal, even though he was out without Russell Westbrook last night. It's not like Bradley Beal is out there as the only offensive scoring threat. So the fact that this can't come together when it matters most. The, the team is doing fine first through third quarters, you know, fine to impressive last night. I was really impressed with that 17 point lead that they got with the energy from Thomas Bryant, with the rookie Denny of Dia's defense, like, hello, where did this 19 year old come from? Um, but the fact that they can't hold on to a win is, and it was the exact same thing pretty much all three games. I mean, Bradley Beal last night, he ran out of things to say. He just said, we got too comfortable. That was it. You know, when Brad gets really short like that, you're kind of like, it's it's something that's not going right. But this year is different because you clearly have all the pieces. So there is a little bit of panic in there. I think that's not unwarranted. Because the other thing is, as I read your article and your article before that and your article before that, it was just the same one. They just printed the, what, the... That's what I feel. It's the same quote. It's the yeah. same thing of Scott Brooks saying, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, we didn't play defense. Bradley mm-hmm. Beal saying, we have to do better. This is unacceptable. You could run that all, well, it wasn't 82 games last season, but mm-hmm. it was that same thing again and again. And for me, the fact that Westbrook is here, when I saw, okay, He's not going to be playing back-to-back games looking at what schedule's out already. Okay, I said in my mind, well, that's six games, mm-hmm. if nothing else, that I am concerned because the margin of error for this team is so slim. Mm-hmm. You can't afford to lose, especially to a team like Orlando that is in your division. And when it comes down to a tiebreaker, this could hurt you. This could yeah. hurt you. Yeah, and and that is the interesting thing is, you know, the, the kind of rap on, on Russ when he got here literally since – almost the day he arrived was the atmosphere change that he brought. And Scott Brooks has spent so much time talking and everybody on the team really has spent so much time talking about the leadership, the new intensity. They they don't use the word culture all that much over at the wizards, but uh, that's the word that, that they're talking about um, where he's created this culture of accountability and maturity and working hard and everything. And to see it not pay off after having them talk about it for three weeks, you're kind of like, okay, so where is the disconnect here? And we, when we try to hone in on that, Something like what we're asked Scott Brooks about lineups. He's saying he's still searching for a spark off the bench. And, you know, Davis Bertans hasn't had the full training camp. And this is basically an extended preseason. All these things, there's not one thing necessarily that it seems like anybody, at least to reporters, is willing to hone in on other than the defense is bad in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's something where this team is not used to having a lead going into the fourth quarter or kind of being into things going into the fourth quarter. So, I think in the first game, certainly there was that little bit you could sense the, oh, oh, wow, we're up. We'll have a chance to win that we don't know what to do here when Joel Embiid is, you know, staring <laughs> down the paint at me. Understandable. The next few times, like you said, against the Orlando Magic, uh, it's it's worrying. This is a young team, but they've got the necessary leadership where Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal, and, and I think both of them would tell tell anybody this, that they need to be leading in those moments and and, you know, 
you can't just because you're up 17, I guess it means you can't have your starters off the floor at the beginning of the fourth quarter anymore. No, I mean, it, it almost feels like if I'm Bradley Beal, it's like, a, here we go again. Mm-hmm. I can't, I cannot leave the floor. You can't score 39 points and get a triple double in the first two games from Russell Westbrook and you're 0-2. And then yeah. last night, like you mentioned, a 17-point lead. When you, before the season started, you know, as, as I talked about before you came on, I can't believe Cleveland's 3-0. Yeah. Like, what, what is All of the undefeated teams is like, oh, okay, Orlando, Cleveland, yeah. Like, <laughs> right. Sure. The Clippers being down 50 points. To the that Dallas Mavericks. I just that was mean. <laughs> what is what is happening with the NBA Durant and Kyrie? I mean, if they had won last night, three and zero, okay. But you know, they mm-hmm. lost to the Charlotte team. What in your mind, looking at before the season started, is are things shaping up? Are you seeing things that you expected to see from the NBA in general, from the different teams, the stars, or is everything just kind of off kilter? I think I expected everything to be off kilter. So I'm not, I'm now not necessarily surprised. You know, you watch the Lakers game and you're like, okay, those guys look the way they should look. Sure. (laughs) Yes. That's, you know, that's old, old faithful there. But this, I, I think because we stopped talking about it a little bit, maybe less so than, than we did in the bubble. um, It was easy for me to forget how weird this year is going to be. With, I mean, I'm talking about everything from the Wizards, I think, have had of their game so far. I think they've had one normal sh- scheduled shoot around in the morning, and the rest have been walkthroughs because you can't go to the arena, then have everybody leave, and so they have to sanitize and everything, and then come back later before game time. I mean, everything from the no fans to minute details that affect everybody's pregame routine are different this year. It's weird. It's not the fact that they only had a two-week training camp. It's that guys didn't necessarily start working out until two weeks before that. You know, usually you have this long lead-up time where everybody gets in rhythm, everybody, the team starts to gel, and and you just didn't have any of that this year. So I think this season could be very, very weird for a very long time. You know, you're going to have things like the Nets are going to be super fun to watch all season, and I cannot wait for. Um, The Lakers, I think, are going to be – what the Lakers are. But other than that, I I don't think you can underestimate how bizarre this season could get, especially if you see more things like what happened with Houston and OKC, where you have to delay the game, delay the game, all this stuff is happening. People are quarantining, you know, luckily so far we've seen that far less than we did in other leagues when other leagues came back. Um, But it's just, I think it's going to be weird potentially and until the end at least i'm mentally prepared for that now you know the christmas day games i was like oh these are all blowouts okay well <laughs> and then, then the next day everything got right back to crazy so yeah I, you, I, i'm not surprised by that do you wish that there was a bubble that you could be in or you are comfortable with it no you couldn't do it well so yes and no yes because it would be again nice to be doing things in person um, no, because everybody who came out of the bubble was like, wow, I am never doing that again. <laughs> so, so, you know, player, anytime you ask a player about the bubble, it's like they have a little bit of PTSD. So um, it is nice to still be able to, you know, be in my house. And I, I do get to go to Capital One. They've done something really smart where they've repurposed all the suites for media. So basically, you just kind of walk straight in the building, go into your suite. There's food in there. There's a restroom in there. I don't interact with 
anybody on game day, but I've got a great view. I can hear everybody cursing on court. I can hear what the coaches are saying. So it's great for me to get a kind of a sense of the team's energy and everything. Um, but yeah, um, I, the, once we get deeper into travel, it's going to be really interesting. Yeah. Um, I, as I was thinking of looking back at 2020, I actually feel like it's sad that we are here and what we've had to deal with. But in all of my years in sports, I feel like I will never, no one will ever forget this year. But trying to find the positives in it, it was a spectacular year of so many different storylines of what we all went through as people and people covering sports as well. Um, I, I just, no one wants to deal with it, but I just, I just, I love it. I, I love that we have a unique perspective in sports now that thinking of winning a championship for the Lakers and then coming back, you know, less than two months and playing again and playing in the bubble and all of those kind of things. What will you take from 2020 that uh, will make you smile? I think it reminds me how much sports matters. Um, and of course, in the big picture thing, I understand. I have I have the perspective. The sports doesn't matter nearly as much as a million other things. Um, but I spent so much of this year thinking about the Nationals winning the World Series in 2019. Those were <laughs> it's so it's the one team I I do not cover baseball. I told my bosses literally the day I was hired. I was like, never put me in a baseball clubhouse. I will do anything else. But I cheer for the Washington Nationals. That's that's always been my baseball team since they came back to D.C. Um, and the, the 2019 World Series happened right after the Mystics won their title. So I was I got to take a little bit of a breather at work, and I actually got to watch all the baseball games and, ex, and experience that as a fan. And it was really one of the last kind of fan experience I had in my adult life since I started becoming a sports journalist, having those memories and thinking, wow, I was, we were all together and everyone was celebrating. It was so happy. And really yearning for that experience in a way that I think you you become a little bit numb to when you do this every day. Um, even though the moments are still spectacular, you know, Naomi Osaka can still amaze me and everything. Um, it's just different when that gets taken away from you. So to have that memory and, and kind of realize like, wow, sports is a huge fabric of our society and really brings me together. And it's what I talk with my dad about and all this other stuff. That's something that I definitely got a lot more of this year and I felt it and I miss baseball. I want, you know, every, I feel like every June, I'm like, Oh my God, it's still baseball season. And now yeah. I'm just come back and the same thing um, with pretty much all of the other sports. And so I, I would definitely take that from 2020 just a reminder of, of how much I, I truly deeply love the thing that I I'm lucky enough to get to do every day. And then of course, just watching athletes use their voice, um, all throughout this summer with all of the protests of um, racial violence that were happening and, and how seeing how sports figures stepped up during that and sports figures, big endorsements, you know, a lot to lose. It wasn't, it wasn't yeah. like anyone was just going out there, but um, it was really incredible and, and quite heartening. So those are the two things I'll take, just my love for sports and watching people uh, kind of come into their own and, and use their voices. 
Uh, yeah. Oh, most definitely. I think the social justice and the NBA, I feel like you're in the one sport that really was at the forefront of that social justice. And I think, I guess, parallel with the WNBA, both seasons were kind of happening at the same time. And I feel like they always, almost always get overshadowed um, by the NBA. Um, when you look to 2021 and getting back in the locker room, will anything change? in the way you do your job, not so much interacting with the athletes, but things that will either go back to normal or will never be back to normal of the way you work? Hmm. That's a really good question. I think that I will, how I operate in a locker room and, and the questions I'm interested in and everything like that, I'm totally washed out here. I'm sorry, again, not a TV person. Don't know this lighting. It's, a light of, yeah. it's like, distract. I'm like, oh my gosh, where am I coming from? Um, <laughs> Um, I don't think how I go about my job uh, from that kind of standpoint will change that much. Um, like I said, I'm still going to be interested in the same thing. I still have to tell people what happened during the game, how the team's thinking, how they're feeling. I do think this has highlighted as someone who's a newspaper reporter, the types of stories people are interested in. Um, I think this year more than ever, we when you get the chance to kind of experiment with things, we're thinking about, oh, do traditional gamers still appeal to everybody in the same way you know you've got to have as as someone who writes in the newspaper every day i've got to tell people what happened in the game does it have to be the way we've done it all these years ago do i need a preview of a game every single time so it's questions like that um that's coming in more from the journalism side from the from the washington post side i should say rather than the ava wallace operating as a reporter side that has been really interesting because um it's it's been I don't look at my numbers <laughs> because I don't want to know those things. But Me either. <laughs> yeah, it's been interesting <laughs> to see the types of stories that people um, are really still reading and really still engaged in. Yeah. Oh, I, I hate looking at the numbers. I just no, no I, I don't do it. I'm just like, I'll do my job and yeah. whatever it is, whatever it is. Uh, I'm with you. Twitter's bad enough. Yeah. Oh, it is. Oh, it is. Oh, oh did I get likes? Did I get retweets? Did I get yeah. mentions? It's just too much. Really uh, when you. When you're covering uh, the Wizards for the Washington Post, you're, you're elbow to elbows to an extent if you ever were in the Not office. <laughs> Not this year, but with the people that cover the Washington football team, as mm -hmm. you mentioned, the Nationals. I'd be remiss if we didn't see on the chat here, as, as Bo pointed out, that, uh, yeah, uh, Dwayne Haskins <laughs> has been released. Like, what is going on? What a great response. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's pretty much what I <laughs> What is happening with this Washington football team? Because you were a fan, you were a fan of them growing up too. Yes, no, or another football team. I was very much. I was raised a Cowboys fan, oh, <laughs> like oh, many, oh, many, oh, many people. Oh. My dad is from Texas, but so like many other people in the Washington region, I grew up a Cowboys fan. <laughs> come on, Ava. Yeah, I, come on. There's a, how many people like me in DC? At least I don't wear a sweatshirt around. That's true. That's true. That's true. I'll keep my Northwestern, but um. <laughs> It was so crazy following this last night. I was at the game, but obviously on Twitter as I am 24 seven, it's bad. Um, seeing our, our reporter, Nikki Jabala, who's covering the, the football team for us this year, just go through, Dwayne Haskins has declined to speak to the media. Team PR is trying to contact him to get him to do a press conference. Then I think it was, he did one from home, I'm guessing after an agent called him or something. Again, I'm that's not my reporting, but right, right, PR right. could make him do it. I'm guessing someone got on the phone with him. Um, what a crazy week 
as the football team tries to reestablish its culture, as Ron Rivera, that's what he was brought in to do, then I I understand this, how we got here, honestly. Yeah. I understand yeah. it just as someone who's who's been reading and not in the locker room and everything like that. Oh, yeah. You can see her tweet right here. It's kind of like a play-by-play of what she was it's, going to try to report on Dwayne yeah. Haskins. And and um another one of our reporters I thought had a really smart um take on Christmas Day of if you're trying to reestablish the culture and you've got a coach who's immunocompromised, you've got a quarterback who broke protocol, not for the first time, what what choice did the team have, honestly? I, I, I don't know what choice they had, but and I also and I feel bad because every time there's any kind of quarterback controversy. It's not fair that I do this. The first name, Colin Kaepernick, every time. Mm-hmm. Like, if you need a quarterback, and I feel like maybe not so much the Washington football team going into this season, but I wonder how you get to a point that you can take a quarterback who was taking online classes as we look at the statement from him, oh Ron Rivera. This afternoon, I met with Dwayne and informed him that we would be releasing him. I told him that I believe it benefits both parties that we go our separate ways. We want to thank Dwayne for his contributions these last two seasons and wish him the best. Um, wish him well moving forward. Sorry, the private chat went went over the, the words. I just don't know. One, when I think of Dwayne and any athlete, even as the Washington Wizard, I remember two years ago when I want to say Devin Robinson got into a mm-hmm. fight at a club and ends up being released. You're a professional athlete. How are you not at a yeah. point where you recognize, A, this is my job. B, it could be taken away any day by an injury or a coach or an organization and respect what you are doing and appreciate where you are. I just don't know how that happens for a player. And then I see a Colin Kaepernick out there and I'm like, okay, how can you not sign him? Mm-hmm. But you can take a guy who was taking exams at Old Dominion University. It was just like, hey, just come and play football for us. I don't get yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. All the dead what the Denver Broncos have how many backup quarterbacks who oh. are receivers <laughs> or running backs or whatever this year. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting. It's something I I have spent the last um, couple of or last night after the game when we were just talking with the other reporters, mainly talking about I as a human being, how do you expose your teammate? You know, and it's 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 interesting because you know that there are young people across the country, Dwayne Haskins age, who are doing the same thing, but they're not getting paid millions of dollars to not do it. So you can't, you kind of can't just go out and be that young kid, you know. You, you can't do that with a coach who went through cancer treatment with leagues who are trying to have their seasons so that everybody doesn't lose money. Um, yeah, that part, it was, it was genuinely really sad, especially since there was a lot of excitement this season, as yeah. I'm sure you know. I mean, build around Chase Young, build something around that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of like the Wizards. You see the it's the hint of of something good that makes it even more frustrating in the end when things like this, when the same old stuff kind of happens over again. Let's end it on the Wizards. You brought them up at the end. What's the bright spot for this team? Who's the best player you enjoy watching outside of last name Beal, last name Westbrook? Outside of those guys. 
I am having a really, really fun time getting to know this rookie, Denny Abdia. Um, just so the the kind of what Scott Brooks told us about him, what Tommy Shepard told us about him before they drafted him was he's he's had three years of experience playing in the Euro League. He has national team experience, comes over from Israel. This guy's a pro. We don't have to teach him how to be a professional basketball player. I wasn't ex- expecting him to be as kind of good as he is. The way he makes his defensive reads, the passes that he's able to pull off, the confidence with which he plays is really exciting to me. And he's 6'9", almost 6'10", um, and handles the ball like a guard. So when someone when you get someone like that where you just the ceiling is so high, that's the type of thing where it's like you've got a Dia, Troy Brown with a, you know, some some tweaks and some confidence and everything could be a really good sixth man coming off the bench. Davis Burton's who when he's on can just shoot whatever with his eyes closed <laughs> and one leg like and Thomas Bryant who could be a really team is really high on him and when he plays the energy like he did last night quarters you're like this is a team <laughs> okay yeah. we've got something here um so i i'm really enjoying um seeing denny kind of come along that's been that's been very interesting and, and it's it's kind of again you get that hint of oh, you just get the pieces in the right place and doing the right things which mm-hmm. i guess is the goal of every team all the time right <laughs> yeah oh definitely i mean because but i also feel like even going back to ernie grunfeld there was the i'm gonna go for the international player because mm-hmm they've been playing pro basketball a little longer. So their adjustment to the NBA game and being and what it takes to be a professional player, there's less of a learning curve maybe mm-hmm. for them than some of the college players is, is where I'd like to feel like you would take a guy like a, a, a Denny because he can step right in. And right. I do love his height and length. Uh, for Thomas Bryant, let's not dunk on the – opponent's basket i don't want to see the wizards on shacked in the fool all year but you know this thursday when we put it on we're going to see at least one play from the washington wizards second week in a week in a row that you're on shacked in the fool it's going to happen and it's sad it's sad it it is sad it it would have been nice if they had come back the next night and gotten the win and been able to laugh about it right but yeah yeah. Here we are. <laughs> okay, last question. Are the Wizards making the playoffs? How can I say yes right now? Wow. How can I say yes right now? Yeah. See, seeing what, what we've seen. I are they in conversation for the play-in game? Does that help them out a little bit this year? I think yes, but you look at the East, how the Pacers have been playing. I mean, if the Pacers mm-hmm. are playing good, so you've got Indiana, Brooklyn, Orlando that just seems to always kind of there even when somehow some way oh yeah i forgot i forgot about them yes you know you rattle up philly boston you rattle up the teams in the east it's it's not like there aren't a lot of programs in front of them so the heat the tampa bay raptors the the, the tampa raps heat austin philly indiana yeah i mean so they've they've got uh they've got some work to do they've got but but again they've got the pieces to get there it's just they haven't shown yet that they're uh that they're ready for that conversation yeah yeah Thank you, Ava. Thank you so much. Let's talk tennis next time. That's uh, hey, listen. I was going to say what in two weeks we're talking Australian Open. If Let's you're do up it. for it, okay. no, Roger. But we got everybody else. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Thank you, Ava. Have a good day. Have a good one. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. Oh wow, what a great conversation. I really appreciate having Ava Wallace on. Ben, I saw you for a second. Thank you for uh, telling me about the Dwayne Haskins. Ava was great. 
Uh, and obviously, being from D.C., I hope that the Washington Wizards can actually make the playoffs and turn it around after being 0-3. But, oh, boy, that's going to be a tough one. Okay, when we come back, we're going to get more into Dwayne Haskins and the NFL. The week that was Week 16, I've got my predictions for Monday Night Football, Bills, Patriots. But also, we're going to look back on my other standings. Uh, that all of us have been paying attention to. Bill Belichick versus Tom Brady. Who's doing better right now? I can't help but think about it. But uh, okay, before we come back, here we go, Ari. Are you located in a state with legal online sports betting? Don't make a bet this season before you visit thepropsnetwork.com. Thepropsnetwork.com has you covered with free bets and special bonus deals from all the top U.S. online sports books. Get $30 in free bets and up to $600 risk-free at Unibet. Claim up to $1,000 signing bonus bundle from DraftKings Sportsbook or try points bet sportsbook with four risk-free bets totaling up to $1,000 using promo code bonus props. The Props Network is also the only betting news site with live NFL odds for every game, so you can shop the comps and know you are getting the biggest payout possible before you lock in your bet. Do your bankroll a favor and check out thepropsnetwork.com. You must be 21 or over to bet online. Do you or someone you know have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER today. Okay, I've got to find a way to digest what is happening with the Washington football team. I don't know. I, I, man, if I could have family time right now, I would with my dad and brothers. Bo, can you jump on here with me? Come on, Bo. We got it. We got it. You're, you're also, this is, it's like a completely uh, DMV show. Because we had Ava Wallace on from D.C. or Silver Spring, Maryland. I'm from D.C. You're from the VA side, right? No, no. So uh, close enough to Silver Spring. Close enough to Silver Spring. Moco, DMV. You and Ava Wallace may have crossed paths at some point at Montgomery Mall or something like that. Who knows? But when you sit that – go ahead. What were you going to say? Pre-COVID. Pre-COVID. When you sent that along and said that the Washington football team released Dwayne Haskins, I almost switched and just wanted to talk about that immediately. But we had to talk about the Wizards. I just can't believe that this guy has destroyed his career already. Already. What team would want him? I mean, it's, it's, I think it going back to what Ava was talking about, what, um, what Nikki Javala was reporting last night when it came to Haskins media availability snafu um i think that really encapsulates the entire issue um going back to the problems early this week with you know a certain outing or certain um you know bringing certain people in whatever 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 it ended up being i think that really perfectly encapsulates the haskins era in dc um you know it started with dan snyder pushing through his selection in the draft as the 15th overall pick, I believe Um, the, the football team, you know, back then the football operations staff for the football team didn't really want him. It was seemed to be an owner's selection. It seemed to be Snyder really ramming this through. I remember Diana Russini just brought this up on Twitter after he was released, but you know, there was this report that one of the football operations staffers said that he was going to throw up in the war room because ownership just wasn't listening 
to their scouts, wasn't listening to their analysts, and they ended up with this player that they didn't necessarily want on the football side of things, and perhaps you can see why now. I I can see why now. I feel like Daniel Snyder wanted this to be like the Ohio State football. The hometown a- guy. I mean, he's a bullish grad. You want to talk about DMV, he's a local guy too. Mm-hmm. That too. That It's like – I feel like as long as Daniel Snyder has been the owner, he's all he fell in love with RG3. He falls in love with these quarterbacks. And looking back on it, now we see in some ways why Kirk Cousins was taken because probably somebody was maybe going to throw up in at the thought of having RG3. It's like, let's take a, a passing quarterback that we know maybe we can count on as insurance. And yet when I look at Dwayne Haskins, I thought he was going to learn from Alex Smith. Now, I'm not saying that this is on Alex Smith, but I also feel like I would be curious to know what their relationship was. Yeah, and, and, and they were listening. There were flashes of that. I remember, I think we talked about it on here, where when Smith came in and won that starting job back, there was that video that was going around social media where Smith got knocked out of bounds and Haskins is the first one there picking him up you know, clapping him on the back and, you know, getting kind of hype with the rest of his teammates. And you thought, okay, maybe there's a little bit of progress here. Maybe this young quarterback is learning from being demoted to the third string. Maybe he's learning from having that veteran experience ahead of him and he's growing. And, you know, you, we thought we saw maybe flashes of that throughout this season, but it turns out, I think a lot more of the negative side of, of Haskins has reared its head, especially lately as as Washington tries to secure a playoff spot. And I think it's really telling that despite this, despite them basically pulling off bodies from the street, I mean, you're getting the the AAF legend Tyler Helinski, I think it is, um, from, from ODU. From ODU. Um, I think he was – was he – I think was he on that team, that ODU team that beat Virginia Tech a couple of years ago? Really? No way. I don't. I'm, I know. I know, I know you're asking, Dominion but I don't beat, know that. Oh wow! Okay. I know they beat Virginia Tech like two or three years ago. I'm not sure if he was the quarterback of that. Um, that was a very historic upset for uh, what are they? The Monarchs, I think they are. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm, I'm yeah I mean, I think it's. I think it's again so telling, so perfectly encapsulating that despite everything that Washington needs to accomplish right now with having to win either this week against Carolina or next week in the now Sunday night game against Philadelphia to clinch a playoff spot that they're turning away from their first round draft pick and basically going with anybody they can get off the street. And okay. So the thing for me about that, and I, and again, as you, if you were just listening, I just had Ava Wallace on from the Washington post. She's a wizards beat reporter. And we got into a little football I don't understand. Uh, says no. It was Blake Larusa was the quarterback of the Monarchs then, uh, when when they beat Virginia Tech. I don't quite understand how, in this situation, Colin Kaepernick has to be better than this Heineke. Well, That's what I feel like. And I know I'm saying his name wrong, but yes, I think talent wise. Yes. I don't really dispute that. I think the argument that you you will then get into with football people is, you know, Heineke at least played in the AAF um, or the XFL, whichever one it was at this point. Um, He played professional football more recently than Kaepernick. He has a little more of that recent game experience where you don't necessarily know what you're going to get with 
potentially bringing in Colin Cold. How, how is this guy how, not cold? I don't understand how this guy is not cold. And, and, and realistically, let me not make it. It's not just about Kaepernick. But I no, just I mean, feel like you're right. Taylor Heineke, we can't have this guy start against this, the Eagles and Jalen Hurts or else, okay, we're not making the playoffs. Yeah, right? I mean, I, that's, that's what it seems like, right? But um, I think when you consider – they don't really have any other option. I think at this point it's too late, right? At this well, point, you're not going to bring in Kaepernick, you know, have him get ready for five days. I think you saw maybe a little bit of your team. There was that Chase Young quote where, you know, he was you know going to talk to Heineke like right before he was coming in, and Heineke said something, and Chase Young was like, "Ooh, okay, this guy's got a little swagger. I like that." Um, newly newly promoted cap Chase Young, I should say. Excuse me. Um, I, I think it's just a tough situation to, you know, bring in a guy again off the street for week 17 who hasn't played professional football in two and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. At least you have a guy who, you know, was in, I forget whether it was the XFL or AF. I've said this like three times now. It's not the NFL. That's the bottom it's still, line. But it's still some sort of contact. Oh, organized football. I, I, I know that this isn't the devil's advocate segment. We'll get into that <laughs> a little bit later, but that's kind of where I'm going here is I think, I think I can see that argument, you know, maybe if this happens in week 10, you know, an Alex Smith's injury is, is a little bit worse. Then I think maybe there's a legitimate argument that you could bring Kaepernick in and get him up to speed while Washington's still in a playoff chase. But at this point, I think it's probably a little just too far back in the season. It'll be interesting. Is Smith questionable at this point? Do you know? No, Rivera says right now that Heineke is yeah. starting, that this is it. He's going to start week 17. Well, it says if Alex Smith can't go. Right. But Alex Smith, listen, you, you can't. You are going to win the comeback player of the year. Yeah. You got to pull a Willis Reed right now. You have to. Kirk, Kirk Gibson. Yes, Kirk Gibson, right? We cannot afford to lose this game and to the Eagles. You know, it's like we're going to lose to the Eagles when we're going to miss out on the playoffs, and it's just it's just going to be devastating. It's just going to be devastating. And uh, I don't even want to watch I, – I, I'm going to watch, but I don't even want to watch the game because I'm just going to be furious at the thought of us being the the team, I see, keep saying us being in a situation where uh, I, I can't even go into. It. It's depressing. It's depressing. Let's 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 move on here. Let's talk about the game tonight. We've got the Buffalo Bill Bills at the New England Patriots. The Buffalo Bills eleven and three, nine and five against the spread. The New England Patriots are six and eight on the season and six and eight against the spread. Now, first and foremost, I never expected New England to be where they are. I thought that they would, I was thinking nine and seven. So it's not that far off to see them eight, six and eight. You know, I guess if they win this next game, seven and eight. I didn't expect them to be this bad, but here we are in a situation where the Buffalo Bills are the darlings, the darlings of the AFC East. They are sitting atop 
the 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 division that for what the last 20 years have have has pretty much been the New England Patriots with Brady and I know that that's got to hurt I find it interesting that this is parallel to the San Antonio Spurs and the transition that they're going through after not having uh Manu Ginobili Tim Duncan, uh, Tony Parker, they are going through a transition. And as a Patriots, and the reason why I bring up that parallel is because both teams, you know, the San Antonio Spurs went to the playoffs like 20 straight years, 21 straight years, I think. And the Patriots won their division, if not every year. I think there were two years that they didn't win um, their division. And... So I look at the Patriots. I'm like, this isn't the Patriots. They're playing in Gillette Stadium. This is a win. This should be a win. And I think as the season is coming to an end, coming to an end for the New England Patriots, boy, I just, it's tough to not see them winning this game. It's tough to not see a team just finding a way to say, hey, yeah, we're still here, even if we're bad, even if we rank 30th in deep in offense in the NFL, we rank six in defense, and you're going to see us play defense tonight. I know Josh Allen's really, really, really good. They've got Stefan Diggs. They've got Cole Beasley uh, as their two top wide receivers. But maybe you're going to see something out of the New England Patriots tonight. On the other side, you've got the 18th ranked offense in Buffalo and the 8th ranked defense. So you've got some teams uh, that are not even, not even. But, you know, maybe you're going to see a more even team, so to speak, if you want to call it that, if you can say, okay, look, let's give New England Patriots a little bit of love because they're playing in New England. That's something that you can maybe count on, possibly. Uh, I know I'm Kind of like trying to, I'm trying to find things here. Trying to find things here as I decide who I'm going to pick. Uh, the Bills have a chance to clinch the number two seed in the AFC. Um, even though the Steelers won, their three-game losing streak really took them back. Um, boy, this is a tough one. I think if I look at, this team, they're 6-0 against the spread since they lost to Tennessee. I think that while they haven't been good under, as we look at the props network right now, um, they haven't been good with Cam Newton, but the it opened at plus two. You can now get it as plus two for the Bills. So New England was favored when it opened. And 
then the uh, the line flipped, and now the Bills are favored minus seven. You can get that at minus 108. But I think that they're playing in New England. I'm going to say Bills win, New England covers. That's my take. Bills win, New England covers. Bo, do you what do you what are your thoughts? Yes, no? Yeah, I, I think that's the way I would lean. Um, I, I don't think the Bills necessarily have a ton to play for. They've already clinched the division, like you talked about. Um, it is interesting that this game was only a three-point game uh back in the first week of November when these two teams played the last time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was 23-20 final. It was a pretty close game throughout. I think New England tied it at one point, but the Patriots never led. Um, and so I think that this is, um, you know, kind of one of those matchups where, like you said, it's at Gillette, uh, you know, Belichick, he's never going to have a problem getting motivated, getting his guys motivated for a matchup like this. It's going to be kind of one of those, look, they've already clinched the division, but let's go out there and let's kind of, you know, hurt their chances at, at getting a higher seed. Let's prove that we're still in this, that we still had a chance at this division, despite not actually being able to come through and close the door. Um, I know you've been very high throughout different points of this season betting on Bill Belichick because of that kind of idea of how can you bet against him? Yeah. You the Rams game, getting, right? I thought for sure I had that. <laughs> didn't, didn't turn out so well, but I think, I think the, um, you know, the idea and the, the, the motivation was there in the right place. Um, but I think when you're looking at, you know, a touchdown plus half a point, you know, seven and a half points, lines even moved a little bit more towards the Bills now. I think you do lean towards that. I think, you know, obviously you saw the Patriots keep this game close um, at Buffalo, at New Era Field or Ralph Wilson Stadium, whatever it's called now. I think New Era lost their naming rights there. But, you know, that, that <laughs> all that aside, I think that this does stay a close game. I think it's very interesting, first of all, that the Patriots close the season with two um, AFC East opponents with the Bills yeah. this week and the Jets next week. Um, I believe I think the Dolphins play the Bills too next week. They do plenty of yeah. AFC East matches. Yeah, plenty of AFC East action in the, over the next week and a half. Um, I the number I like here is the under uh, mm. forty six and a half. You know, we mentioned that first game was twenty three twenty. I think the Bills offense has looked good at some points. I didn't think they looked that great against the Steelers. Besides, kind of building off of that um, pick six that Roethlisberger threw. We know the struggles that Cam Newton and the Patriots have had. And the Bills defense, you know, Tredavious White, um, that whole unit has really kind of stepped up and grown as this season has gone on. I, you know, we'll see what the weather was like. You know, maybe it gets a little cold. I haven't checked at the forecast for Foxborough tonight. Who knows? Maybe we get another snow game after Green Bay last night. That was awesome. Uh, that was great. I love. I, love I just. Games. I just love football in the snow. It's just. Yeah, great. it is. Um, but it I really do. Is. I do like that under forty six and a half. The Bills are two and sixteen at Gillette Stadium since two thousand, and they haven't <laughs> swept the Patriots since nineteen ninety nine, which is similar to I believe the Washington football team hadn't swept Dallas since nineteen ninety nine, and they did it this year as well. So and Tom Brady. Tom Brady had never been swept as a division opponent, and did this year by the Saints. That's amazing. Um, and, and staying with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, I think it's safe to say that Tom Brady uh, has had the better season. 
I don't want to say that he beat Belichick. I feel like that's kind of weird as much as I may have said that in the past. It's not quite the case, but it's, it's been one of those things where it's like, if anybody was debating whether it was Belichick or Brady was the uh, reason for the Patriots success, I think the fact that you've seen more success from Brady and the Bucks compared to Patriots with Cam Newton and Bill Belichick, that, okay, maybe more people are going to lean toward it was mostly about Brady. Yeah, and I think it goes back to a little bit how you kind of measure success. I think, obviously, the first marking point will be making the playoffs, which the Bucks managed to do, again, despite getting swept by the Saints, despite not winning their division, they're going to advance as a wild card. I think they clinched against uh, Detroit in that big blowout. Um, but, I, but you know, I don't think Tom Brady is satisfied with simply a playoff berth. I think he wants to, first of all, win a playoff game, which is not something the Bucks are known for. And I think he wants to prove that, you know, he can still get that team deep into the playoffs. They're going to have, you know, a heck of a time doing it against, you know, maybe an Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. You know, we'll see what the Titans maybe can do in the playoffs. Again, what the Saints are able to do in the playoffs with, you know, still a recuperating Drew Brees, but we saw what Alvin Kamara did this week. I mean, the the, the road to uh, the Super Bowl is not going to be smooth for Tom Brady and the Bucks. And I think that if you are assessing, you know, who's having the better season, you're obviously going to start with Brady simply getting to the playoffs over Belichick. But again, he's not a TB12 is not a guy who's simply going to be satisfied by getting there. He's a guy who wants to have that success, who wants to have some sort of tangible achievement deep into the playoffs. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, anything else stand out from you from week 16 in the NFL? Um, I mean, Kamara, Kamara getting six rushing touchdowns is pretty, pretty, pretty. Uh, I don't even know the word that I can <laughs> on it. Um, but I will, I will. When that happened, the first thing I did was, and I tweeted about it too, is I just wanted to make sure I, he wasn't on the team playing against me in the playoffs. Well, I have I have like four fantasy teams, right, on ESPN. I, I think only one of them is like a paid league. Only one of them we have money on. Um, so that's the only one I really keep up with. And I checked last night on one of the other leagues that I don't really keep an eye on. I go, oh, I'm in the championship game. Oh, I have Alvin Kamara. Sweet. <laughs> That's worked awesome. out pretty well. It worked out very well. <laughs> but I will, I will give um, – I think we do have to give a shout-out to um, our kind of adjacent home teams. You know, we talked about our probably true home teams in Washington. Um, not me, but uh, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think, had a big win. Um, yeah. They were the underdogs against the Colts. Um, you know, they had a chance to go to 11-4 and after starting 11-0. and Losing four games in a row like that would have been really a disaster um, for Pittsburgh. So I think, you know, doing getting that win and doing it the way they did with a big comeback effort, um, and I think having Roethlisberger throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns was huge. He looked a lot better than he has the last month in that second half. The defense stood up tall when they needed to. Um, I think that's really promising. And how about the New York Jets? Now that they were officially eliminated from getting the first round pick or the first overall pick, they decided to go out and have some fun with the Cleveland Browns. I mean, how ironic is it? It's the best Browns season in God knows how long. They finally get to 10 wins. And what do they do? 
They come out and they lose the New York Jets. You got to love that too. Yeah. Oh, that made me very happy, especially to hear Baker Mayfield say, I failed this team. Uh, Yeah, you kind of did. But even more so, I feel like the Jets, unfortunately, Sam bet the Browns money. (laughs) That's just too funny. But the Jets. Two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row. The thing for me is like, the Jets are just, I don't understand what they're doing. Like, Either you're – I know that well, the players, it's like – oh, there's, no, there's no team under four wins. So at that point, it didn't matter because they yeah. were – the Jaguars got blown out by the Bears at home, mm-hmm. right? So there was no chance that they were going to have any shot at the first round – at the first overall pick. So at this point, why not, you know, try to you, – you can win. They could win both games and still have the second overall pick. Yeah. So like, why not? I, I mean, I guess because – you know, if you th- you hear the, the New York media talking about how, you know, Sam Darnold's not good, you know, we need a new quarterback, a franchise quarterback, and you're in the driver's seat. But I know for the players, the players are going to say, no, we're, we're playing for our they're, they're playing to prove that they're still they're – still, they can do something. They're playing to prove that, look, you know, we had a ton of injuries throughout this season. We had some not great leadership, whether it's Adam Gase, you know, having some back and forth with the offensive play calling, whether it's the well-documented issues with Greg Williams and that defensive play calling that, you know, extended that losing season by one week. Um, You know, this is a a team full of players that want to prove that they are NFL players despite losing 11 games so far this season. Yeah, and I think they've done that for the last two games, especially some of the guys on the defense, you know, like a Marcus May, who was expected to take a big step up this year for at the safety position after they traded Jamal Adams. Sam mm-hmm. Darnold's still trying to prove that he can be that franchise guy now that he actually has healthy wide receivers with yeah. guys like Jamison Crowder and Denzel Mims. And I think they've done that. Whether or not Adam Gase remains in that head coach position, I doubt it. But who knows after winning two straight games over two potential playoff teams in LA and in Cleveland. Even the gamble of getting rid of Le'Veon Bell and just saying, yeah. hey, you know, we can win without him. We don't need him. Uh, I thought the Colts, as you mentioned, uh, they looked good. Even though I'm upset for the Washington football team, I like that things are up in the air going into week 17. It's that's going to be, be a fun game. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch the NFL. Um, Devontae Adams, uh, three touchdowns yesterday in that Green Bay win over Tennessee. Tennessee seems to be fading, but I also feel like, as you mentioned about the Steelers, it's it's ebbs and flows. That's what yeah. it is. It's also – I think it's tough for a, a team that relies so heavily on your run game on Derrick Henry to, one, play in the snow. Mm-hmm. Right? you think that would be a, a little bit of an advantageous matchup. Maybe not so much. And, two, get down by like three touchdowns early because that Tennessee offense is just not built to come back into a game like that. Yeah. Ryan Tannehill has looked so good though. Over the last like year and a half, they were doing some one of those like funky graphics with him. He's really been impressive since he got traded from Miami. Yeah, uh, I would be remiss if we didn't say Tampa Bay winning forty-seven to seven. Woo! I mean, if it wasn't for the fifty-two points put up by New Orleans <laughs> over Minnesota, which you like that? Uh, if you're a Vikings fan, you like that? I hope so. I hope so. All right. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk some college football. We got a lot to get to. Bo will be back to talk about the college football playoffs. Playoffs? We got two games, two games that we're going to talk about, and then I'm going to do, we'll end up the show. The PropsNetwork.com is a place where bets begin. No, the Props Network 
isn't a sports book. It's where smart bettors and new players go before the sports book. Before, before. Why? Because the Props Network has a few things that all bettors need. Exclusive sign-up bonuses, reporting on weekly promos, free betting picks, and live odds comparisons for every game. A visit to thepropsnetwork.com before placing a bet guarantees that you'll be wagering with the best available bonus and getting the biggest possible payout if your bets hit. But the Props Network isn't just another bonus site. We've also got great content, too. Follow Props Network on social media, YouTube, and Twitch for updates all week from me on Just for Sport and the rest of the Props Network team. We got a new basketball show, Pick and Props, to go with the walk-on with Joe Walkowski. Get ready to bet with the Props Network today. You must be 21 or over to bet online. If you or someone you know have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER today. So we got college football coming up. And I am... It's college football, my favorite sport to follow and watch. No, not really. Not by a long shot. But I always root for my teams. And when the University of Pittsburgh decided to not go to a bowl game, I was happy for them. Mostly because if you're not obligated to have to go and we are dealing with a pandemic are players really going to be able to enjoy a bowl game if you're talking about the camaraderie of them being together okay that's cool they probably going to miss out on some swag maybe whatever bowl game they would have been able to go to the well i guess motor city bowl is not happening anymore But, you know, whatever bowl game it was going to be, you're going to get some swag. Maybe it's going to be a PS5 or, you know, some sort of new headphones that are coming out or some VR Oculus glasses or something like that. But they were pretty much just going to be in a hotel, not being able to spend time with their family, who would have most likely come to town for the bowl game. You would have been just shuttled back and forth from, you know, your hotel to practice in the arena, uh, probably not talking to media. And not that the players necessarily want to talk to media, but it's kind of cool if, you know, you got more national media asking you questions and you feel like, oh, I'm a a star, so to speak, I guess is what an athlete may feel like. There is some excitement with going to a bowl game. And now they will not be able to go to a bowl game. And I think that's okay in this situation because maybe if you ended your season now, you can go home, spend the holidays with your family, have new years with your family. And if you're a senior, you're bummed out. But if you're an incoming freshman or a player that, you know, is just going to be returning to that team, there is an excitement that, okay, well, we'll have next year and we're going to be a good team next year. And I'm okay with that. I didn't watch all of the bowl games. What what was I going to watch? What bowl game are you really missing out on? And if we're outside of betting, there's still enough games for you to bet on. What else were you going to do? I don't know. 
I don't know what else you were going to do. So here we are. We've got four teams in the college playoff that we're going to talk to Bo about. We've got number one Alabama versus number four Notre Dame and number two Clemson versus number three Ohio State. Now, first thing I want to talk about is Clemson. Come on, Dabo Sweeney, what are you doing? He's going to say OSU should be ranked 11th? I mean, you're just trying to pull up bulletin board material for Ohio State, the Ohio State, to destroy you. Why would you do that as a head coach? Because is he wrong? Even like, he, he said, he said, you know, I, I'm a guy who knows that this poll – that my vote, that the way I rank these teams is going to be public. I know I'm putting that out there for the world to see, for Ohio State to see. But I believe in in what I'm doing. And why should a team that has played six games be compared, be ranked by the same standards that by a, a team like mine, by a team like Alabama that's played, you know, 11 or 12 or 13? And he's not wrong. Because it, you've talked about that plenty on this show. I know, but how it's can you a do that in a pandemic year? It's a pandemic year. People are just trying to get by in their personal lives and professional lives. And if I'm Ohio State, if I'm the Big Ten, and I'm the NCAA, it's like, okay, we know that if games weren't canceled, they wouldn't have only played six games. It's not like they were always – or five, technically. The six was uh, the, the championship the championship game. That wouldn't have been the case. And I think for Dabo Sweeney to do that, you're doing nothing but making it easier for Ohio State to want to go out and beat you. And it's uncalled for in my mind because we know why they didn't play these games. It wasn't because we're Ohio State. We don't have to play. No, that's not what it was. Come on. Uh, I, I think I think at the core you're right. But I'm not gonna, you know. Look, I'll knock Dabo all you want for the self righteousness, for the, you know, playing the victim the entire season for for this and that and whatever else is coming out of Clemson. But I'm not gonna knock him for, you know, ranking Ohio State at 11 behind teams that have played twice the number of games that they have throughout the season. It doesn't matter, first of all, because they're still in the college football playoff. They're still Clemson's opponent in the next game. So what does it really matter at the end of the day? It's just, you know, more, you know, fire to the flames for people like us to talk about, which I'm fine with because here we are talking about it. Yeah. And I think that, you know, look, Dabo's got a point when he says they've played five, six games, five, six games. It's just not the same standard. And I think when you're looking at the coaches poll, again, it's not what's being considered. It's not what's being used as a metric. And it really didn't affect their ranking that much in that poll. So, you know, why not? He's making a statement. That's what Dabo likes to do is he likes to bring attention to himself and he likes to, you know, kind of get his opinion out there. However, he has to do it. And this is the way he found this week. And I think I think when it comes to when it comes to Ohio State having a little bit of motivation, first of all, if you need a little bit more motivation (laughs) because of the way the opposing coach ranked you in the coaches poll, I think. Ryan Day has a little bit of a problem to address. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think the Buckeyes are going to be able to get up for this game just fine, and I think they're going to need to facing Clemson, especially looking the way they did against Northwestern. 
And here we go. We've got a great football game. Let's still let's stay Supposedly. with Clemson, Ohio State. I look at this game and I I'm torn. Obviously, one, I want the ACC to win. The line open at Ohio uh, at Clemson being favored minus seven. Now it's what it's seven and a half. Clemson is still favored. This game is on New Year's Day, eight o'clock in Mercedes-Benz Super Bowl in New Orleans. We got Clemson Tigers at ten and one, five and six against the spread. The Ohio State Buckeyes six and zero, oh, three and three against the spread. Uh, over under at sixty six and a half. What do you see so far as you're trying to decide who's going to win this game? Clemson. Wow. Okay. Clemson, huh? Just like that. What are you, Kyrie Irving and I'm Charles Barkley? You're giving me one answer? I mean, sorry, Kevin Durant? Clemson. Are you are you a pawn now too, Marka? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm a pawn, a chess, a chess player. Um, I don't like the spread. I feel I feel like this is going to be you do I, I think it's going to be a two touchdown game. Whoa. I think look, I've been saying it for the last 2 weeks since you know kind of the the end of that ACC championship game. I don't think we're going to have any competitive games this year until we get to the national championship. I think both of these semifinals are going to be blowouts. The spread in the other game is nearing 20 points. The spread in this game is more than a touchdown. I don't think either game is decided by less than two touchdowns at the minimum. Mm, okay. Next game we're going to talk about. Yes, this game. I'm taking Clemson to win, Ohio State to cover, and I'll take the over. I'll take Clemson to cover the seven and a half, and I'll take the under. Mm, and the under. Okay. So we got a couple of differences here. Okay. Next game. This isn't, you're right. This one isn't going to be a game. I don't care if Brian Kelly tries to say, oh, I'm not worried. We got blown out by Clemson. No, Notre Dame is not at the level. Of in Alabama, they will get destroyed. We don't even need to discuss it, but we're going to discuss it. But I expect Alabama to win and cover, yes, yeah. and the over. Clemson, Clemson, and their defensive coordinator Brett Venables handed Alabama on a golden platter the key to beating Ian Book and Notre Dame defensively. It's bring pressure, bring the blitz, make Book uncomfortable in the pocket, and then contain him. Do not let him get outside the pocket. When he gets uncomfortable, when he's facing that pressure, that's what he did all season. That's what he did in that first matchup against the Tigers in South Bend when they won. They were also able to get their their running back, their freshman, uh, Kyron Williams, going a little bit. And I think Clemson in that second matchup in the ACC championship game, they got their All-American linebacker, Skalski, back, and he really provided the key for that defense to making Ian Book uncomfortable. They kept Book in the pocket. They did not allow him to pick up key plays on the ground with his legs. They made him look down the field into tight coverage, force balls into places where they didn't necessarily fit, and it worked out for them pretty well. And I think Alabama and Nick Saban and that defensive unit are going to be able to execute a very similar game plan just as well. And I think when you look defensively, for the Irish, so much has been made of Alabama having three offensive players finish in the top five of the Heisman voting. You have Najee Harris at five, you have Devonta Smith somewhere in that top four, and then you have Mac Jones also somewhere in that top four. I so think for, for, for everything that Clemson is, 
they've struggled at times this season to get Travis Etienne going. Lawrence has been up and down because he had the COVID. He had to sit out that game, whatever. Alabama has not had a hitch in their offense all season long, and they're going to keep the pedal to the metal this in this game. Even favored at minus 19 and a half, I expect that Alabama will win and cover. And, yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, Cheez-It Bowl. Uh I, I I want as many ACC teams to win. We got NC State Wolfpack against the Wildcats and whatever. Sweet what sweet revenue money. What, what what are we? How what are the names of these bowl games anymore? They're just well. This this awful. is the this is the bowl formerly known as the Camping World Bowl in Orlando. The Cheese It Bowl used to be somewhere in Texas, and they did a little switcheroony, and Cheese It got the which is like the basically the top non-New Year's Six Bowl for the ACC. There's also the Duke's Mayonnaise Bowl in Charlotte, North Carolina, formerly known as the Belk Bowl. And I I was upset because I feel like it's basically named after Duke. Um, uh, If you you haven't tried Duke's Mayonnaise, try it. It's really good. Is it really good? Better than Hellman's. That was not sponsored. And I tell you what, this this was probably the one time that I feel like that product placement or putting your name ahead of a bowl game is the first time I was like, oh, well, I wonder what Duke's mayonnaise tastes like. Like now I want to try it, but I don't know how I'll get it. It's got a little like twang to it. It's nice. Yeah. Okay. Sandwiches. Miami Hurricanes plus one and a half against the Oklahoma State Cowboys. You see the Hurricanes having any shot of winning? Um. Yes. I think yeah. they have a shot. Uh, the, my best bet for this game is over 59 and a half. Um, Oklahoma State's defense is okay, but Derek King has already said he's coming back next year um, with Rhett Lashley, who they picked up as the offensive coordinator from SMU this season. Um, I think Spencer Sanders and uh, Chuba Hubbard still have something to prove that they are you know, a good offensive duo. They had some struggles throughout this season. Um, I really like the over in that game. Um, when it comes to Miami against the spread, I do like that they're getting points. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a little bit of a favorable matchup for the Hurricanes. Um, and I think, you know, they had a lot of um, promise this year, right? Mm-hmm. I think it was really between them and North Carolina for that kind of sec, that third team in the ACC now that you have Notre Dame. Um, and I think they had a really good battle throughout the season, of course, we had North Carolina coming out on top in the head-to-head matchup, which is why they're in the New Year's Six. And Miami is not, but the Hurricanes and Manny Diaz were right there. And I think they want to finish out this season strong. They want to prove that they were indeed right there and that they weren't a fluke, um, as their record will probably show. I meant to mention that the Notre Dame-Alabama game is 4 o'clock on New Year's Day. This I like the, I like the over in that game, too. Over in that game. This game is December 29th between Oklahoma State – uh, Cowboys and the Miami, Florida Hurricanes. Miami six and four against the spread. Oklahoma State four and six against the spread. I am going to take Miami to win uh, and take them at plus one and a half, and I'll take the over. That's what I'll take. Uh, Mizzou is not playing in a bowl game. Uh, if we switch to college basketball, um, they are struggling. Jay Wright tests positive, test positive for coronavirus. Chicago State cancels their season. A ref caused the game to be canceled between what US UCLA and I think it was Oregon. UCLA and yeah, that sounds right. 
Um, and University of Kentucky is one in six. I know that has nothing to do with coronavirus except for we're just – it's just a weird season in college basketball, but also with this bowl season, the number of games that have been canceled. I know I've reached a point where it's just par for the course, and it's a shame. But I don't even think about it. it was like, yep, another bowl game canceled. This game's happening. That game's not. It's become the norm, and I really am upset that that's the norm now. Yeah, and I, I think that's you know understandably frustrating. Um, I think when you're looking at some of these bowl games, I think it's a little bit less frustrating because you look at a team like South Carolina that had to cancel their bowl game. They're a two-win team. They fired their coach halfway through the season, and they're playing in a bowl game? Mm-hmm. Maybe they didn't deserve to be there in the first place. So I don't really have a problem with a team like that having to cancel their bowl game due to COVID issues. Would have been the first game under uh, new head coach Shane Beamer there for the Gamecocks. But, you know, for some of these teams that worked hard to get here, you know, Mizzou, who had an up-and-down season, I guess year two or three under Eli Drinkwitz, um, you know, it is a little disheartening because – you know, in some of these situations, the players voted. The players said, look, we earned this chance. Let's go take it. Let's, you know, play for a bowl game. Let's try to have as much of this experience. You talked a little bit about it before I came on here. The bowl game experience is completely different this year. I mean, normally it's it's such a fun week for players. There's so many different things for them to do here and there. But that's just not how it's working this year. You're basically playing – another road game where you're quarantined in a hotel for a couple of days, you go play the game and then you leave. And yeah. I think some of the fun, some of the attraction of a bowl game just isn't there, which is why you see teams like Pitt, Boston college and whoever else cancel. Um, so, you know, to get to college basketball, I think you're seeing still, this will be, I think the second pause for Villanova um, this season because of COVID issues, they had some, testing some um, contact tracing issues at the beginning of the season where they had to slow down the start. Um, and now they're on a full pause because their head coach and a couple others have tested positive. And so you're going to see, again, we talked about the craziness of the season and how things have worked with scheduling. We're going to have to see how that works as a top team tries to kind of get back into the schedule, get back in the swing of things in the Big East. And, you know, it's going to be complicated. But at the end of the day, I think we need to remember that these players do want to play. Yeah. And I think that's the issue is how can we work this out where, you know, in college football, the teams that deserve to play and want to play can play. In college basketball, how can the teams trying to earn themselves championship pedigree and trying to earn themselves a spot in whatever the tournament looks like, how do they earn a chance to make good on their wishes and play basketball? I think these are the challenges that both, you know, both sports and both leagues are still facing today. Yeah, Um, they're definitely facing uh, a tough road ahead of us. We're not out of the water. I feel like, you know, maybe next year, college football, college basketball will be the same. Uh, One last topic. Pitts. Oh, boy. Pitts basketball. Uh, Mr. Champagny, as I like to uh, tout about his play and his athletic ability now he's out six to eight weeks for Pitt what does that do for their chances um, of trying to make some noise in this wild ACC it hurts it really hurts I think we saw that um, the other night in the first game without him against Louisville I was on the call for that for WPTS and we found out basically an hour beforehand that Pitt would be without their you know two leading scorers 
in Champagne, and then Audis Tony, um, who actually will return for tomorrow night's game uh, at Duke. But, you know, Champagne, we talked about him a, a couple weeks ago because he had back-to-back 2020 games with 20 points and 20 rebounds against Northwestern and then against Gardner-Webb. And that production down low, that efficiency down low, in terms of his ability to facilitate the offense and run the offense through him, it's not something that's easily replaced. It's not something that you can just go find off the bench. And I think the impact was instantly felt by the Panthers when you look at the rebound numbers against Louisville. They were averaging around 45 rebounds per game coming into that game, their ACC home opener. They got out-rebounded by Louisville by around 45 to 25. Um, I don't have the exact number, but it was a drastic drop-off in their numbers on the boards without Champagne and Tony, who chips in there as well. But that's going to be a big issue for the Panthers as they try to, like you said, make some noise and make some improvement in the third year under Jeff Capel, who will return to the sidelines tomorrow night after missing that Louisville game due to a COVID-positive test. Yeah, oh boy. I mean, this. there's no doubt that this season is just kind of – we're just going to roll with it. Every player, every team is just going to roll with it, and that's what we do. Thank you, Bo. Appreciate it. You got it. All right. As we end 2020, this is going to be our last show of the year. Um, actually, I said thank you, Bo, as if Bo's not coming back. But I still have – look, at I got my calendar here. Um, I got to rip, rip off a bunch of these. Where are we? December, Monday. December. Yeah, I got it. Monday, December 28th. My devil's advocate is I thought about what I wanted to talk about for me looking back at 2020. Um, it's been difficult for all of us as around the world, as people, wherever you are, um, I can only imagine the pain that people have gone through in their lives as this year, the transition, the family members you may have lost, um, a job you may have lost. Um, but in many ways, to go back to the question I asked Ava Wallace at the beginning when we in our interview, talking about how you look back on these moments in time, 9-11, uh, world wars, that sports is something that can bring you joy, that you can get lost in sports, in the ups and downs of your favorite team, watching your favorite player, and even though this year wasn't what it was supposed to be, even reading what the different leagues and teams were doing in a way to try to handle the pandemic, whether it was a bubble, whether a full bubble, or whether it was just, hey, players, we got to work out something where, you know, you're kind of sequestered, but still in your environment. I can still appreciate being able to watch sports and very much so this year compared to other years that from March until 
man, when did tennis come back? Maybe June was when we first started seeing some pickleball tournaments and, you know, a, a tennis match here and there. Then we had golf back. Sports was something that, again, many of us miss more than anything. And it was difficult for me to not want to see sports back, even though we knew that, well, you're not really supposed to be around other people. And how do you mask and X, Y, Z? We needed sports. In my world, we needed sports. If you're watching the show or listen to this podcast in your world, you're into sports, whether it's just because you like a specific sport or you're into betting or your college, you're following your college. We like sports. And it was a sense of normalcy that we craved. And we got that. And 10, 20 years from now, we will still be talking about how amazing and wild this year, 2020 was. And I'm happy about that. I am happy that sports found their way to come back because we needed it. We needed it for a one, in some ways, a pathway to show businesses how to come back. There are some regular, normal, everyday nine to five businesses that are using some of the things that the leagues came up with, including like zones, you know, zones of where people work. And to see the Dodgers, the Lakers, the Tampa Bay Lightning, right? They won an NHL title, I believe. Yeah. To see these teams win championships when you didn't expect them to even be playing was beautiful to see. And I know I can only imagine for those players that they will in many ways cherish this title, these titles, because of what they had to go through. And as Bo mentioned, in the end, these players want to play. They are willing to sacrifice everything to play the sport that they love. And that meant a lot to me too. And as I look back on 2020, I'm happy that they came back. I'm happy that they came back. And it's tough because how do I put that in a devil's advocate? Because I feel like there were a lot of people that's like, no, sports should not come back. They shouldn't come back because it's making other businesses and companies think they can come back as soon as sports did. And I know that over the course of the time that I've been doing this show, I would go back and forth vacillating whether they should or shouldn't. And I look back on that now and say, yeah, I'm happy they came back. I'm happy they came back. And I do this segment called Sports You Don't Care About and trying to decide, okay, should I focus on a sport that I think you should care about going into 2021? And I thought and thought about what I was going to put in this part. And the bottom line is that we all care about sports and we all want to see sports back, whether it's an escape, 
as I mentioned, Stephen, seeing your favorite team, favorite player, whatever the case may be. It's what we do care about, and that's sports. And I'm happy it's back. I'm looking forward to 2021, to seeing the teams, even individual players, as we talk about Naomi Osaka, uh, Rafa Nadal in golf, Tiger Woods, Dustin Johnson, uh, Lewis Hamilton in Formula One. We got English Premier League playing. We got Champions League. The Olympics may be coming in 2021. There's a lot to look forward to that I'm excited. And sports you don't care about, I care about them all. I just want to see them all. Like when I was watching Marbles when there was nothing going on, right? Come on. You were all doing that. All right, I'm going to end the show talking about my New Year's resolution and uh, sports trivia. Uh, December 28, 1947, in the NFL championship game at Comiskey Park, Comiskey Park in Chicago, the Chicago Cardinals overcome the Philadelphia Eagles 28-21 before a crowd of 30,759. The star attraction was expected to be Philadelphia running back Steve Van Buren, who in 1947 became the NFL's first 1,000-yard rusher in 13 years. But Chicago's Elmer Angsman steals the show with a pair of 70-yard touchdown runs. Charlie Trippi also scores twice for the Cards on a 44-yard run from scrimmage and a 75-yard punt return. The Cardinals will move to St. Louis in 1960 and to Phoenix in 1988, where they will become known as the Arizona Cardinals. To date, this is the last NFL championship for the franchise. That's right, y'all. The Arizona Cardinals started in Chicago. I actually knew that. So my New Year's resolution, I was trying to think of something I'm going to do with Just for Sport or the Props Network. It's a little bit of both. But in 2021, I am going to make a pick every single day, 365 days a year. I'm going to make a pick. May that always be a video. It may just be a tweet or, well, I guess TikTok is going to be a video. But I'm going to make a pick, and I'm going to keep my record and see how I do. 365 picks. Let's see if I can make money for you. And me. I guess, and me. Huh? Yeah, because in the end, the answer to all your questions is money. And if you make money, I'm happy. That's what we're doing here on the Props Network. I want to thank Ava Wallace, the Wizards beat reporter for the Washington Post, for coming on the show. Uh, Bo, talking football and basketball with me, mostly college, but still, I'd like having him on for the NFL. Happy New Year, everyone. I hope you enjoy your celebrations as we get ready to end what has been a wild 2020 and move on to the next year. My brother got married. Family's healthy. Hope your family is healthy. You had a newborn. You know, I know that for those of you that have lost family members, my heart goes out to you. Let's hope that 2021, you will be happy, healthy, and prosperous. Ciao for now, everybody.